welcome to Supernatural Podcast episode number 56 for the season 3 finale, No Rest for the Wicked. The episode was written by Eric Kripke and directed by Kim Manners. The episode originally aired in the U.S. on May 15, 2008. Let's move on to the synopsis with Kristen and Quinn, which was recorded shortly after the season 3 finale aired. Recap for episode 3.16, No Rest for the Wicked. The episode opens with Dean running through a forest. Hellhounds are on his tail. They corner him and he starts to run the other way, only to trip and fall. As they begin to rip him apart, Dean wakes up from his dream. Thank goodness it was only a dream. Dean is obviously shaken by his dream. Sam comes and tells Dean Bobby found a way to locate Lilith. Dean reveals that he only has 30 hours to live. Hey, why don't we just make a TJ run? Some senoritas, some cervezas? Sam says he knows they're cutting it close, but they're going to get this done. He says, I don't care what it takes, Dean. You're not going to hell. I'm not going to let you. Dean looks at Sam and sees a demonic hallucination where Sam's head should be. He replies to Sam's previous promise with, Yeah, okay. Bobby performs a ritual to suss out where Lilith is. She's in New Harmony, Indiana. Sam's ready to go confront her, but Dean tells him to hold on. He starts to doubt everything about what they know. He says, first of all, we don't even know if Lilith holds my deal. We're going off of Bella's intel. Second, even if we get to Lilith, we have no way to gank her. And third, isn't this the same Lilith that wants your head on a pike? He says, either we go in smart or we don't go in at all. Sam says he knows a surefire way to confirm it's Lilith and to get a demon-killing weapon, summon Ruby. Dean says no, but Sam says they are so past arguing at this point. With 30 hours to go, I agree. Dean refuses to make the same mistakes all over again. He says, if you guys want to save me, find something else. There's no time left, Dean. Sam, going against Dean's wishes, summons Ruby in the basement of Bobby's house. Sam asks if Ruby knows about Dean's deal and that Lilith holds the contract. Ruby says she did know. Sam asks her why she didn't think it was important to mention that. She says, you weren't ready. If I told you, you two yahoos would have charged after her half-cocked, and Lilith would have peeled the meat from your pretty, pretty faces. Sam says, well, we're ready now. Ruby says it is a good time to go after Lilith. Her guard's down, and she's on shore leave. Sam says, so you'll give us the knife? Ruby says no. She says they'll need more than a little pig sticker to get rid of Lilith. Ruby says she knows how to save Dean. Sam says no, she doesn't, and that she's been lying to him the whole time. She says she can't save Dean, but Sam can. Ruby says, Sam, you've got some God-given talent. Well, not God-given, but you get the gist. Sam says, all that psychic crap, that's gone ever since Yellow Eyes died. Ruby says, not gone, dormant. Why do you think Lilith is so scared of you? If you wanted, you could wipe her off the map without moving a muscle. Sam doesn't believe her, but Ruby says, Fact is, you never would have considered it if you weren't. Sam finishes her sentence. Desperate enough? Ruby says she has never lied to Sam. Not ever. She says, You can save your brother, and I can show you how. Dean finds Sam and Ruby in the basement. Dean says, Oh, I knew you'd show up, because I knew Sam wouldn't listen. Dean says she's not going to teach Sam anything, and she's going to give the knife to the boys. Ruby says, your brother is carrying a bomb inside him, and we would be stupid not to use it. 
When Sam starts to protest in Ruby's favor, Dean tells Sam, obviously it's a trick. He says Ruby is only out for her own interests. He says she probably wants you to become her little antichrist superstar. Ruby says she wants Lilith dead, that's all. Dean says, oh right, because you were human once, and you liked kittens and long walks on the beach. Ruby says she's so sick of proving herself to Dean and calls him a dumb, spineless dick. Dean punches her in the face. Ruby's not standing for that and immediately punches him back three times as hard. Sam tries to get involved, but she knocks him down too. A fight ensues and Ruby keeps knocking Dean further across the basement. Dean gets up, smiling, and pulls out her knife. Ruby lunges for him, but she's caught in a devil's trap. Dean says, like I said, I knew you'd come. They leave Ruby yelling in the basement. Sam and Dean prepare to hunt Lilith. Sam wonders out loud, what if Ruby was right, and I can take out Lilith? If there's a surefire way, then shouldn't we at least consider it? Dean repeats, we are not going to make the same mistakes all over again. Dean says, Sam, don't you see a pattern here? Dad's deal, my deal, now this. Every time one of us is up the creek, one of us is begging to sell their soul. Dean says Sam is his weak spot, and the bad guys know it. What we'll do for each other, how far we'll go, they're using it against us. They've got to stop being martyrs. Dean says, we take this knife, and we go after Lilith like Dad taught us to. Enter New Harmony, Indiana. A grandpa is checking his mail, and his neighbor asks how his granddaughter is doing. He says she's homesick with the flu and shakes the neighbor's hand before he walks away. The grandpa slipped a note into the neighbor's hand that says, Help us. The mom, dad, and grandpa gather in the kitchen and talk about the fact that the girl is not their little girl anymore. There's something inside her. The girl comes downstairs with blood all over her dress. The cat, Freckles, was mean to her. The dad asks the little girl if she'll ever let them go. The girl says, Don't be mean to me, Daddy, like Freckles. Dean tries to start the Impala. Bobby appears in the window, holding apart from the car. He says, Where do you think you're going? Dean says, We've got the knife. Bobby says, And you intend to use it without me? Do I look like a ditchable prom date to you? Dean says, This is about me and Sam. This isn't your fight. Bobby says, The hell it isn't. Family don't end with blood, boy. Bobby says they need him. He knows about the hallucinations Dean's been having. He offers the part to Dean and says, I'll follow. Sam and Dean are driving in the night. Sam begins to give Dean the misty goodbye speech. But Dean says, if this is my last day on Earth, I do not want it to be socially awkward. Dean decides that what he does want is to listen to some classic rock. Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi comes on. Dean says, Bon Jovi rocks. On occasion. Of course, Dean begins to sing along. Dean urges Sam to join in. Soon they're both singing. When Sam really gets into it, Dean gets quiet. He realizes that the lyrics speak to his situation. The boys get pulled over by the police. Dean says, it's not like we're in a hurry or nothing. The officer asks for the license and registration, and Dean gets a glimpse of his face. Dean hits the officer with a car door and sticks a knife through his throat. The officer was a demon. Dean says he could see the demon's real face under his human puppet. Bobby says it's not that crazy. Since Dean has only five hours left, Bobby says, You're almost hell's bitch, so you can see hell's other bitches. Dean says, I'm glad my doomed soul's good for something. 
Back with Lilith, her parents celebrate her birthday every day. Lilith asks Grandpa why he tried to go to the neighbor for help. Lilith says she doesn't like Grandpa anymore and breaks his neck. Sam, Dean, and Bobby are looking in the window of the house, and Dean confirms that the little girl is the demon. Dean doesn't feel good about killing the little girl, but Sam tells Dean it's not just for him, it's to save everybody. Dean entices the demon posing as a mailman back behind the house, and Sam sticks him with a knife. Meanwhile, Bobby is making holy water in the pipes that run through the whole neighborhood. Sam and Dean kill another demon on the lookout, and Ruby catches Dean. Dean says, How the hell did you get out? Ruby says, What you don't know about me could fill a book. Dean sees Ruby's true face and says, Oh, you're one ugly broad. While Sam and Ruby are arguing over the knife, Dean notices that all Lilith's demon lookouts have noticed them. They run to the front of Lilith's house with the demons hot on their trail. With the demons just about to catch them, the sprinkler system goes on, and it's holy water! Yay, Bobby. Sam, Dean, and Ruby investigate the house. Sam and Ruby go after Lilith upstairs. Sam finds the girl and the mother lying in the girl's bed. He tries to get up the courage to stab the girl while the mother is whispering, Do it. The girl wakes up, just as Sam is about to stab her, and screams. Dean stops Sam before he puts the knife in the girl. He says it's not Lilith anymore. Since they don't know where Lilith is, Sam is more desperate than ever. He turns to Ruby and says, Okay, what do I have to do? Ruby says, You can't just flip a switch. You had your chance, and you blew it. Dean will not stand for Sam letting himself become a monster. He says Sam's just going to have to let him go to hell. Dean says, What you're doing isn't going to save me. It's only going to kill you. Dean gives him the goodbye speech. He says, Keep fighting. Take care of my wheels. Remember what Dad taught you, and remember what I taught you. The clock strikes twelve. Dean's deal has come due. The hellhounds are really after him this time. Dean pours goofer dust in front of the door and the windows. Ruby tells Sam to give her the knife. Maybe she can fight off the hellhounds. But Dean says, Sam, that's not Ruby. Sam quickly tries to stab her, but she blows both of the boys away. Dean says, I should have seen it before, but you all look alike to me. Lilith, in Ruby's body, opens the door to the hellhounds and says, Sick em, boys. The dogs pull Dean onto the floor and start ripping at his legs, arms, and chest. Sam's yelling, Stop it! in the background, but blood is spurting everywhere! Lilith does her little demon trick and makes everything go white. Sam is still alive. He survived her attack like no one else has before. Lilith is scared. She can't control him anymore. Sam picks up the knife, and just when he's about to stab her, Lilith jumps out of Ruby's body. Sam looks over at Dean and begins to cry. Dean's dead, and Sam couldn't do anything to stop it. The episode ends with a glimpse of Dean in hell. He's screaming, Somebody help me! Sam! I would definitely give this episode an A. I loved it. Maybe it was just the adrenaline I had from watching the finale and just being so excited about it, but I thought it was great. It was the perfect combination of horror, humor, angst, and brotherly love. 
There were some really cute scenes, some really great lines, but there was also a really great story behind it. I think that they had to have Dean go to hell because after all this hype about a cliffhanger ending, they just they couldn't back out on it. They couldn't find a solution in the 11th hour. So, I'm confident that Sam will rescue Dean in fourth season. I think it deserves an A. I think it raised a lot of interesting questions, like why couldn't Lilith kill Sam? That's going to be, I mean, they're finally going to hash out the whole demon powers thing and not just like leave it as, oh, maybe it'll just pop up sometime and ruin his life. He's finally going to have to face up to it and figure out what it exactly it does. And then, obviously, having to go into hell to save Dean is going to be entertaining. I'm Kristen. And I'm Quinn. And thanks for listening to us. Sayonara. Bye. So let's move on to analysis and theories in my discussion with Josh. Josh and I recently re-recorded our discussion due to some technical difficulties. This is our second attempt, in addition to busy summer schedules. Therefore, we are a bit removed from the finale, but have the benefit of four months' time to reflect on the season as a whole. Hi, this is Ellen. And this is Josh. And after our long absence, we're back! (laughs) We are back! Finally! (laughs) You thought it wasn't going to happen, but it did. That's right! Just in time for the new season. Barely. Yeah, just in time. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) Nothing like putting it off till the last minute. (laughs) But we're going to do a lovely little discussion about the season three finale, No Rest for the Wicked. Right, and hopefully refresh everyone's memory and get everyone pumped for the next season four. It's been a little while since this episode came out, so our enthusiasm is probably not going to be the same that it was in May. However, it was still a great episode on rewatch. It was a very good episode. And although, like you said, not as tense second time around, it's still gripping and one of the most exciting hours of TV I've ever watched. Oh, definitely. I mean, back when it happened, I was sitting right in front of the TV in the last like 10 minutes, and I couldn't pry myself away from the screen. Oh, I know. I I held my breath for practically the entire episode, and the last (laughs) 20 minutes of suspense nearly killed me. Oh, I know. From the first moment, my heart just started throbbing. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But it was truly one of the best Supernatural episodes we've ever had. Oh, yeah. And, And I think the last time I felt as concerned and unsure about the outcome of an episode of TV was Buffy season five. And that was also the same thing where one of the siblings is doomed and you don't know how they're going to get out of it. Some similarities there. Yes. So (laughs) (laughs) very good hour of television. You know, I think it was great because they set up the season, albeit a short season, but they set it up so that it could really have happened either way. He lived or he died. And you didn't know until that moment what was going to happen. Yeah, you really didn't have that many clues about the fate of this next season, of Dean, of anything. So it was a whole bunch of unsure, you know, uncertainty piled together that it just kept speeding along all season and it really came to a head well. Yeah, it was great. And we knew the show was renewed. And they knew it was renewed when they made the finale. So you didn't have to worry about trying to tie something up just in right. case it wasn't. <laughs> I think that gave them some freedom to play. Which, you know, 
If it was a cliffhanger, it would have been awful. Oh, yeah. Seriously, there have been a lot of shows that got canned, and you didn't know what would happen to the characters after the end, and you were so mad. (laughs) And this show likes cliffhangers, but this one hmm, will be interesting (laughs) for the next season. Yes. But I think the last episode I liked as much as this one was second season, What Is and What Should Never Be. Oh, yes. That was an excellent one. Overall, awesome. (laughs) So what did you like specifically? I know we kind of covered some general stuff. One of the big things I really liked about this episode was Dean's resolve to break the cycle of sacrifice that his family has been in. And he didn't want Sam to go to the dark side. He didn't want to make, you know, any more deals with demons than they already have. And for that... He's finally grown up, and he's finally learned that lesson after so much tragedy. That's true. And, you know, I can't help but think at the beginning of season two where John was telling Dean that he would have to make a choice. He would have to kill Sam. And I kept wondering where that was going to go and if we'd ever actually see it show up. (laughs) Right. And here, I think it kind of brought that in. They didn't tell us what Dean was thinking entirely, but I think that was probably a big part of it. So. They're finally a little bit of use for season two. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, that's a good point. It, it could have been his motivation was, you know, trying to keep Sam from ever getting to that point where he needs to be killed. Yeah. So, and, and Ruby comes along with this offer and it would be so easy for Dean, not only for Dean, but the TV writers to write her with this last minute answer. And then they both just jump on it. But instead, Dean stays strong. He resists, you know, Ruby's temptations because she's obviously got some kind of agenda. And I just really like the way he held his ground the whole time. Yeah, especially, and actually that kind of got mad at Dean in that moment in a little bit, because (laughs) it would have been an easy out. But at the same time, I like Ruby as a character. Right. So I wanted her to be able to help him in some way, even if it was for her agenda. I wanted that to play out. Yeah, I can see that. And we don't know what it was going to be. <laughs> right, right. It was interesting, you know, because she did show up and she has this, oh, by the way, you know, I have a way yeah. where you can beat her. And, and it was all very convenient and it, so typical, you know, of yeah. cliffhangers and, and TV shows. But they didn't, they just kind of like teased that and then said, ha ha, we're not going that way. I wonder if that had something to do with the writer's strike, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right. So out of the blue. That's right. Like, oh, all right, we're back. All right, I have this great plan. But <laughs> it's true. I mean, I like the way it worked out that Dean was still like, no, she's a demon. I don't like her. I'm not trusting her. That's it. We're done. But at the same time, it would have been nice to see what her plan was, what she right. would have actually had to, you know, what Sam would have had to do. Yeah, you can't help but be curious about that. And, uh, you know, and speaking of Dean and Ruby, that I, I really enjoyed the way he tricked her out of her knife. And, you know, even though he took a beating yeah. for it, it was worth it. That was cool. That was a great scene. Too bad he had to leave her down there. Oh, I forgot to mention, it opened with Carrie on My Wayward Son. Yay! Oh, right. I love that song. <laughs> and it was so good. Every time you hear it, it's just it fits so perfectly. It does. And and now whenever I hear that song outside of the TV show, I can't help but think of them. Me too. <laughs> Every time there are actually a lot of songs that do that now, but you no know, old songs, songs I've liked for a long time, but you hear them in in the supernatural realm and suddenly it's a supernatural song. Speaking of the supernatural songs, what did you think of the sing-along? Oh, who couldn't love it? immediately after the episode there were postings everywhere with links to youtube it was up 
like a thousand times. Like everybody was talking about it and playing it. It was it's a phenomenon. I I thought the Winchester duet was great. It it was a good moment of that bonding silliness thing that they do so mm-hmm. well on the show. But at the same time, at the end of it, it was good because that look on Dean's face told us that he hasn't forgotten where he's headed, even for a moment. Even in the middle of that levity, he knows what's coming. Yeah, and I think it's interesting with the choice for Bon Jovi because it's clearly not Dean's kind of music. (laughs) But, I mean, even that quote that, you know, Bon Jovi rocks on occasion. Um, (laughs) He's probably not much of a Bon Jovi fan. I am, however, and so is Sam. And so it was a... I know the the song choice itself was kind of a pivotal moment, I think, because it was a compromise and it it kind of set up that theme throughout the rest of the episode. A very enjoyable moment and one that's going to be remembered, I think. And and then about the hellhounds, you know, that initial vision, a lot of people were actually kind of unhappy about that. But I think it started the tension from and the tone from like the minute the episode started. And I had always thought that there's no way they're going to kill off Dean. You know, sure, it could happen, but they're not going to do that. He's our hero. He's like one of the stars of the show. But that scene kind of changed my whole uh, impression of that. And I was like, oh, he could actually die in this episode. Oh, yeah. I I think it did a great job of, of setting the tension, starting it off tense at the beginning and keeping it through mm-hmm. him having the visions and being able to see the demon's real face and it, it just kept the seriousness of the situation apparent throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. like you know when Bella was being pursued there's just something about you know knowing the hellhounds are coming for you that makes it that much scarier yeah and then I liked what they did with the hellhound mythology too oh but the, the scene with the chasing with the hellhounds that, that was very reminiscent of Faith First season with the Grim Reapers. Oh, and then yes. the people were in the woods running away from the Grim Reapers. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of a nice tie-in. But um, then they, you know, Bobby was saying, well, have you been seeing them? How did you know that cop was a demon? You know, Sam was like, what's going on? And Bobby was like, oh, that's what happens when you're in the veil. Like, you're just about to die. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. I liked how they tied in a little bit of mythology there. Yeah, and it also helps to add more, you know, suspicion about what Sam really is, as if we didn't have enough. But yeah. <laughs> you're like, you have to wonder, oh, is he seeing Sam? Was that just, you know, some sort of horrible, bad vision dream? Or was he seeing Sam as he really is? Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um... And speaking of seeing, you know, demons as they really are, I thought it was so creepy, but great, the way that Lilith got her kicks by inhabiting the body of a little girl and torturing their family. Yeah, that makes you kind of wonder. There was, you know, it's funny, because I came across an episode earlier in the season, just rewatching the discs now that I have season three. And there was a comment about um, demons taking a vacation or what they do on their off time. Oh, right. And I was like, hey, that's like Lilith. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we didn't see it until the end of the season. And now you're going to kill me because I don't remember which episode or in what context. My brain's a little foggy of kind of a sinus thing going on. But <laughs> it happened. I know it happened because I just watched the episode. And I only watched the first two discs of season three. So it's in there somewhere. Right. I just didn't go back and pay attention too closely. But I just caught that little bit because there was a line about how, you know, what demons do on their off time. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. they like to torture families. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's. To me, it was so twisted, but a good way of showing what kind of horrible evil they were up against. 
Someone who gets kicks out of, you know, offing grandma and leaving her in the house. And everybody has to pretend like it's all normal. Like, I mean, could you imagine what that would be like? Having, like, your daughter suddenly not your daughter? And they, they explored that in, in the episode, The Kids Are All Right. But, right. you know, they have this family that they're like, they can't even breathe wrong, afraid that this kid's going to kill them. And they, eat, <laughs> and they have to eat the same cake every day. Right. Have a birthday party. That's right. Every day. Yeah, and then when you find out that it's not just a little girl, but the whole block is mm-hmm. filled with demons that they're just surrounded. It's so such a feeling of hopelessness and such a huge obstacle that the guys are going to have to overcome in order yep. to get Dean out of his deal. Yeah, that revelation where you see all the demons come out in that scene, that was amazing. It was almost like watching like Night of the Living Dead or something, you know, where you see a whole bunch of zombies start attacking. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, that's cool. It's a good way to take that. It's not just Lilith. She has like a horde of people everywhere she goes. And that was the other thing I really enjoyed about the episode was that once they arrive in Indiana, that whole battle was just nail-biting excitement through the end of the episode, which was enjoyable and excruciating at the same time. Yep. And I can only imagine what was going through Bobby's head, where he was holed up in that house across the way, second string or something. I don't know what he was doing over (laughs) there, but I mean, he was going to run in guns blazing if he had to, of course. He's their family. Yeah. I mean, just to see that perspective where, I mean, Bobby is terrified for them and there's nothing he can do and they don't like to take his help. <laughs> it was great how he did insist on being part of Dean's last stand. He's he's the common sense that they need and the father figure that they've been missing. But yeah, I I like how Bobby is that voice of reason that used to be Sam. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it used to be. Wow, there's a lot that I liked about this episode. Yeah. And the final thing I think for me was okay. I didn't like the fact that Dean died, but I thought I really liked Dean's death. I, they did a great job. Of showing him being ripped to shreds by Hellhound. Uh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, who wants Dean to die? But right. <laughs> they didn't leave us a cliffhanger. That was the best thing. That they killed him. Okay, we know he died. <laughs> right. he, we don't know where he is. That was kind of the question. Like, is he in hell? Apparently, Kripke said now he is in hell. But to me, I think they could really do something different with that because he's kind of stuck somewhere. So they could really explore that in a lot of different ways. But I like that they ended up where we knew what his fate was. Right. We didn't have to wonder. Yeah. That would have killed me if they had stopped. Like, <laughs> just as the hellhounds are, like, advancing or something. And, oh, we're done. Right. See you next year. <laughs> <laughs> so even though I was so mad and so upset that Dean died, I, I kind of like how they ended it. Yes, and it was amazing how they made it look like an invisible monster was really ripping him to shreds. Yeah, they did a great job with the effects on that one. So what didn't she like about it? Ruby's gone. (laughs) That was a big bummer to me. Um, Lilith said she sent Ruby far away. I'm assuming it's back to hell. He might have just left her in the devil's trap. I think we'll see her again, though. I really do. But we might not because there's always budget constraints and I don't know how much it costs to keep Katie Cassidy around. But right, you, know, you never know. I really want her to come back, but it would be such a bummer if I mean, because we just lost Bella, not a fan, but and we just lost a, you know, a main character. And now Ruby, we need her. Right. You know, if she would be <laughs> if it's true and she does want to help the brothers because she wants Sam, then she would be a good ally for them. So I don't want them to lose her. 
It's it's funny they just can't seem to keep female co-stars on the show. Yeah, bad budget. I'm telling you, what's up with that? <laughs> I I agree. I Ruby, I think you know, is in danger of becoming a little too convenient. But I would hate to have her finished without ever learning about her motivations and her true plan. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think it would be as convenient as let's say having Ash around would be. But <laughs> right. but I think. And she definitely had her own agenda. I don't think she was exactly honest, but I think she really would have been a a good character to keep around. My big gripe of the episode was the parting shot with Dean in hell or wherever he is. (laughs) I mean, I think it would have been a lot better just to leave that to her imagination or as one of my friends suggested, just have... A black screen with Dean screaming. Just not show us exactly what kind of bad CGI land he is living in. Yeah, they should have just kept it, in my opinion, cut off where Sam was like, no, and finish that shot on Sam and then cut it. Right. Even, I just think we shouldn't have known where Dean went at all. Although that scene with him, you know, in that mesh web thing, that's actually, um, that's from Hellraiser. Oh, yeah. So they wanted to use another horror movie reference. I just did not like that either. No, it's it's not as bad. I mean, they've built it up so bad and terrible place that it couldn't have beat our imaginations no matter what they did. I'm glad they didn't go charmed and it's just like a little cave looking thing. Right. Some red light. <laughs> and him just like open his eyes and go, ooh, where am I? Right. Little fog here. I was kind of envisioning the worst of the worst on that one, but glad they didn't do that, but I don't like what they did. It just kind of left a, a bad taste in my mouth all summer. I was not overly excited about like rewatching the episodes and getting excited for season four. I just wanted to take a break <laughs> <laughs> and think things over. <laughs> right. That was not a wise choice, in my opinion. In, in an episode that made so many good ones, that was the... Mi- misstep that was most noticeable well yeah it's and whenever you have the ending of something you know whether it's a movie or a tv show or anything the ending is what people remember it ended well the story ended well yeah it was a good episode it just didn't need that last little bit yep exactly (laughs) yep perfect and you know and i also had a little this is minor but Lilith getting away kind of bugged me. On the one hand, it felt right because she's a big baddie and they really haven't engaged her mm-hmm. as much as she's been built up. You know, they need to have some big fight with her. Yeah. But on the other hand, it would have been nice to have some moment of triumph for Sam after losing both Ruby and Dean rather than her just running away at the last second. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it made perfect sense, but at least if we had had a, like, a minute of them like fighting or something because Sam didn't even have a moment to realize that how did I survive before I went back to, Oh my God, my brother's dead. It would have been nice and satisfying if he was able to plunge that knife in at the last second. Yeah. And and then maybe the knife not work on her or something, you know, they could have come up with some way to get around that. (laughs) What I didn't like was that Dean refused to let Sam try one last time to save him. And I know we kind of mentioned this. My thought was maybe he knew something that we don't. And what was he thinking? Maybe it had something to do with Sam and, and how he knew he would turn evil and how it would work out. 
But how could he possibly know what Ruby's suggestion was going to be? Uh, he didn't know. And so that did, it's just a little thing because I like how it ended up playing out. But I was really kind of mad about that one. See, I was, I was on the other side saying, don't listen to her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, come on, at least, you know, adventure that way. So I would know what it is until they ruled it out. Like they had tried everything. Why wouldn't they try one last thing? Oh, uh, Yeah. So it just seemed kind of weird, but, you know, the way Dean had acted in the episode and how he doesn't want another sacrifice. And so he probably just thought, well, whatever she, she's a demon, whatever she's going to say is bad. So let's just ignore her. Right. At the same time, it's like, come on, how do you know it wouldn't have been something that worked? (laughs) Well, it involved, he did know that it involved Sam accessing part of his, or supernatural side. So. Yeah, but. (laughs) He wants to stay away from that completely. I mean, it's not like he was going to start worshiping, like, some demon. It was just, (laughs) you know, it might have been something minor. We don't know. Oh, we don't. Which, you know, leads right into the questions and speculations that can go on for days. Oh, no kidding. But that's the big one still. We still don't know what Sam's deal is. And if he unconsciously used some power to stop Lilith, or does voodoo just not work on him? Or what is it that makes him different? Yeah. When are we going to find out? Seriously, what is the deal (laughs) with Sam and his mom and his family? Come on. (laughs) Give us something. Okay. We have questions from season one. Why did Dean's eyes bleed? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) What's up with Mary? (laughs) What's the yes. amulet for? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And the Mary questions, those are from episode one. I you know. know. <laughs> baby questions. So You're killing uh, me, Eric Kripke. <laughs> <laughs> we understand there was a writer's strike. You had to condense stuff. You know, they spend all that time with Sam calling every relative Mary that she's ever had. Right. And then we don't know why. Ruby promising to help and all of that fun stuff. Right. So that's the that's the usual stuff that keeps going on. And and we already discussed my other big question was, you know, will Ruby be back? Is she gonna she, will she have to find a new body if she does come back? Uh was she telling the truth? <laughs> did she right. really could she have shown Sam how to save Dean? Why did she wait till the last minute to bring it up when she told <laughs> right. Dean that there was no way to save him? Yes. She- <laughs> and who was she lying to? <laughs> yes, Which exactly. <laughs> Which one? What's your deal, Ruby? Maybe she should live in Dean's body for a while to keep it fresh <laughs> for when he comes back. Because we wouldn't want him to come back as some kind of moldy zombie. The fans on all the boards are freaking out over Dean's body. Especially, I mean, like the minute the episode ended, people are on there. Oh my God, what's going to happen to him? They're scared he's going to start decomposing. <laughs> you know, all oh, sorts good. of stuff. They're like, is he going to be a zombie? Is his body going to be restored? But I tell you, look at Sam. All right. he got was a scar where Jake severed his spinal column. Yeah. And this is assuming the yellow eyed Dean was wrong and that Sam is 100% Sam, which who knows about that. But. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if he figures out a way to bring him back, I think they could probably bring him back to his regular body state. Right. That's a good point. If he can come back whole, there's no reason Dean can't. Yeah. Whether it's some sort of time turn or some spell or some deal with a demon or who knows what they're going to do. I'm sure. He has to eat brains or something. Whatever. Whatever the boy (laughs) has to do, he'll bring his brother back. And I'm sure Dean will be fine because one... Everybody wants to see Jensen 
as Jensen. And two, <laughs> not as a moldy zombie. Not as a moldy, moldy zombie. And two, CW really didn't give him much of a budget, so he's probably going to look his normal self. <laughs> right. It just isn't budget for moldy zombie Dean. <laughs> You're right. He'd have to wear a paper bag over his head or something. Yeah. <laughs> like go orphanage, the little kid from the orphanage with the sack over right. his head. That would work, I suppose. I think Dean will be all right. <laughs> Probably. But that leads us to the big question, the obvious one. How is he going to get back? And will he still be Dean? Well, I hope so. Will he be all, like, mopey Dean, like Buffy after season six when she gets resurrected? He was ripped apart by hellhounds. <laughs> right. He might need some counseling. He might need to take some time out for himself. Yeah, take a little vacation. Yes, I just hope he doesn't come back all disconnected and out of character. I could, I suppose it would help the season move along, give it a little bit more tension. But I think right. they learned from Angsty Sam season two. <laughs> right. The fans really weren't into that kind of thing. Yeah, Angsty Dean turned into Angsty Sam and <laughs> ran its course. I think it might be a little while till they figure out something, though. That's right. Can't give away all the secrets right away. There was an interview. I, I don't read most of the interviews with Eric Kripke because I don't want any spoilers. And this is the time of year that all the spoilers start coming out. But I've just been reading summaries from people who <laughs> uh, have read the interviews and then give us the non-spoilery part. And <laughs> apparently, Eric Kripke has said that he is over the special kids storyline. He doesn't want to include oh. that anymore. Oh. That it didn't work and that it's not going to be part of the future. That it played its way out. And I can kind of see that because Sam is the winner. Like, he is the last special kid. But that was such a big part of season two, the special kids thing. Yeah, and they didn't ever address the other generations or anything. No, he's just like, oh, we're done with that. So don't get your hopes up. They may mention something, but chances are no. Oh, goodness. So we may never know what went on with Mary and all that. I think he'll tell us what's up with Mary, though, because he's promised that already. And I think he would have some sort of revolution from fangirls if he didn't tell them what was up with Mary. I don't think we'll ever find out about the amulet, though. Probably not. Well, and then, you know, we already mentioned the fate of the CW, which is a big question, speculation, of course. The network is not doing well, and a lot of sources, reputable sources, are saying that this is the last year for CW. Oh, which is not good because, well, one, I really like the CW network. It's very different from the others, and it can do things that the others don't do. They take a lot of risks. I like that. And, I mean, Supernatural would be done, probably unless it was picked up by Sci-Fi or somebody else. And Kripke has promised a five-season show. Like He has oh, really? his plan from the very first day. He had a five-season planned out. So if we... You know, now we're on four. When you hit that magic 100 number, then you can start syndicating. Right. So it's always good news for a channel to do, a, you know, 100 episodes. But the network itself might not hang on till then. And the saddest <laughs> thing is that they're basing a lot of this decision on what happens with the new 90210 show. Oh. They're putting so all every- their ducks in a row on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody tune in to 90210. I'd say support the network. Watch whatever you can on the network and see if we can bolster all the numbers. 
And what will the pussycat girls do? I mean dolls. Pussycat dolls. <laughs> that are girlicious. That's right. Well, I mean, the channel does have some high numbers with certain shows. Um, it's staples, like uh, Smallville. Oh, and Tyra Banks. And the Tyra Banks show is their number one show. SmackDown is leaving CW to go to another network. So not just Supernatural, but all of them need to do better. Wow. You know, I've been a fan of Warner Brothers and now CW for a long time. I've watched a lot of the stuff on their channels. And uh, I don't know, it'd just be really sad to lose them. It would be. I agree. So did you uh, have any favorite quotes? Well, I already mentioned Dean's quote, Bon Jovi rocks on occasion. which I thought was a great one. But um, (laughs) the other one I was thinking about was where Dean said to Ruby or about Ruby, come on, man, she's the Miss Universe of lying skanks. (laughs) (laughs) It just sums up his view on demons and especially Ruby. Yes. I appreciated when she was wishing she could be there when he died. And Dean responds with, and I wish you'd shut your pie hole, but we don't always get what we want. Good times. Yeah, Bobby had some good quotes, too. He always has these little one-liners that throw in there. But especially his line about how, you know, family goes beyond blood. Right. Finally, he told him. He was like, look, you're my family. Yeah, even if I think you're complete idiots, (laughs) you're still my family. Yeah, I think it's beyond wanting to look after the boys just in memory of John to now he really cares about them a lot. Yeah. So what did you think of season three overall? I think it could have been better if we hadn't had a writer's strike, obviously. (laughs) But when I go back and look at the episodes that I've watched so far in the DVDs and just kind of think about how the season flowed, I think it worked really, really well. And I think it really, and I've heard this from other people too, now that they have the discs and they're watching it. If you watch it kind of not marathon style, but if you kind of watch them you know, within a short period of time, and you watch them all together in order, or even switch the order around, it works really well. It flowed really well. I think the problem was it was just so disconnected with the large time periods, the gaps that we had, you know, for hiatus and the strike and, you know, all that fun stuff and all the season breaks. And (laughs) right, it just didn't have the flow that the others did, you know, or shall I say season one did, but I really liked it. I miss kind of the novelty of season one where they have their little weekly mysteries and move along. There was a lot more canon this season. Right. And it was darker and more stuff was going on. I think it worked really well. I agree. I think they definitely learned from the mistakes of season two and brought us more of a fun and scary and compelling season with less angst and more fear. And uh, there was some disruptions, obvious some sto- obviously some storyline disruptions with mm-hmm. the writer's strike, but it may have helped with the pacing because it seemed like it sped by really, really quickly. Yeah, especially the last couple episodes. They went really fast. Yeah, and they did a good job of, of pulling it all together. Like you said, I'm sure watching them all in a short period of time, you, sh- you see it flow and less meandering and, you know, less whining. <laughs> so overall, I thought... It was highly enjoyable. You know, I didn't, it wasn't like, oh, that was disappointing after I watched an episode. That rarely happened. That's true. Yeah. I mean, generally, there are a couple in a season that you may not like as much. But in this season, it was more of an average. You had, she had a lot of really good highs and some mediums, but not as many of the low lows. Right, exactly. Yeah, like we saw in season two. I think another thing about season three is that, like I kind of mentioned, you can mix up 
the episodes. With season two, if you had jumped around from one episode to another, even the standalones, they would have seemed a little out of sync. But with season three, I think you can really, like, I did a lot of jumping around already from the ones I'm watching. I'm not necessarily starting at the beginning and working through. I started with like with the end, then I went to watch the beginning, then I went back to the end, and I'm trying to kind of work through the middle, but I'm skipping some here and there, and I'm having no problems. I would recommend everybody watch The Magnificent Seven and this episode back to back. Whether you watch the last one and then the first one, or you switch the order, I watched the last one and then the first one. But if you compare those two, it's following from the other two seasons, too. If you look at the last, first and last episode of each of the seasons, they mirror each other in a lot of ways. But season three mirror was really good. That's something I wouldn't remember all this whole time. And I think that I like The Magnificent Seven a lot more than I did the first time through. Oh, that's good. First time I was like, uh. But now, when you go, you look back and they introduce Lilith to you, but they don't tell you who she is. And you learn a lot about the old school demons. And they're talking about the big war and all the stuff that's going to happen that didn't happen for budgetary reasons and a strike. But (laughs) um, mostly budget. Um, Magnificent Seven was what the network ordered. They said, we want this, 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 and this. And we want a big war. We want, you know, this big stuff to happen. And they gave them the episode and they said, oh, this is great. But, ooh, that cost a lot. So the network said, no, 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 we're taking, you know, you can't do that. (laughs) And they started scaling back. And I think the scale back was actually a really good idea. But the Magnificent Seven was... At the end, like when I went back and looked at it again, it was a good episode. And I think it really set up the season well. But only having seen the end and then starting over did I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It was definitely... uh, The the beginning of season three had me concerned about the season. It was different, a different road for the show. But one they didn't end up taking, but when they started, it looked like they were going to take a completely different path. And like you said, they ended up not doing that, which was probably for the best. Oh, definitely. I completely agree. Not just for the budgetary problems, but could you imagine having seen a full-on war this season? Right. They couldn't have done it justice. They need to allude to it or have us see little bits of things like we've always done um, for the show to be successful, I think. This show works because it's about the fringe and you know the outside of society or the the stuff that lurks underneath to have it become more overt would definitely change the tone of the show yeah and we see that anytime we have one of those shows where you know like the fbi come out and start investigating and i mean the episodes are fun and kind of exciting but at the same time i don't feel like they're really supernatural because this isn't law and order this isn't (laughs) you know csi and i think those kind of episodes just feels a little uncomfortable because they are too mainstream. You know, the boys are not mainstream people. Like you said, they're in the fringes. They kind of, you know, it's the hidden world. And you don't want to share that with the rest of the world. You want it to be your own. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So let's move along to some legends and references. There really were only a couple that we haven't covered in the recaps and the discussion. The first is hellhounds. These are demonic dogs of hell, usually referring to Cerberus, the dog of Hades, from Greek mythology. The ghostly hounds are said to haunt parts of the United Kingdom, and many names are given to the apparitions, such as Black Shuck of East Anglia and Madidu of the Isle of Man. Hellhounds are a common creature in fantasy fiction. 
such as in Arthur Conan Doyle's The Hound of the Baskervilles. They are also a common enemy in role-playing and video games, including Dungeons & Dragons, Shadowrun, RuneScape, Adventure Quest, and the Zork series. This came from the pad of definitions for Crossroad Blues on the official website. In Supernatural, hellhounds appear to kill a person who has made a deal with a crossroad demon and send their soul to hell. In the days preceding the end of the person's time, they will appear to the victim in dreams. The person will also hallucinate and be able to see the true face of demons when they are possessing humans. Hellhounds were previously seen in the episodes Crossroad Blues and Time is on My Side. The second we have is Goofer Dust. Used in old voodoo practice, it is a mixture of natural ingredients that can be used to cause harm, trouble, or even kill. The word goofer comes from the Kikongo word Kufwa, which means to die. As late as the 1930s, goofering was a regional synonym for voodooing, and the meaning of the term was broadened beyond spells of damage, illness, and death to include love spells cast with a dominating intent. This is also from the pad of definitions on the official website. Often used synonymously with graveyard dirt, which is usually the primary ingredient along with snakeskin. You can also see luckymojo.com slash gooferdust. Goofer Dust is used in the Supernatural episodes Crossroad Blues and this episode to keep hellhounds at bay as they won't cross it. So we had a couple of music pieces on this episode. Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas plays during the recap and it also played during the recap for Salvation and All Hell Breaks Loose Part 2. To me, this song is Supernatural. And the second, which we talked about already, was Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive. The song of the night tonight is For You by 7 Days to Perfection. Check out the website at 7d2p.com. The song is brought to you tonight by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Enjoy.
for this episode. The season four premiere is scheduled to air this Thursday, September 18, 2008 on The CW. Thanks for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Podcast. You can visit my website at supernaturalpodcast.blogspot.com or send me an email at supernaturalpodcast at gmail.com. Please note that the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and not of the producers of Supernatural or The CW. Audio clips played on this podcast are property of The CW and no infringement is intended. Some of the music heard here is from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com.